shit, man. We have some good fucking podcasts. We have some good, and this is another one. You're going to love this. This is with Eliza Schlesinger. I will argue that the five minutes we talked after the podcast was over was better than anything we've ever said. That's what podcasts used to be, but this is a great podcast. I, I love Eliza. I've known Eliza for a very long time. We talk about that. We have a great moment where she talks about Brett Ernst. Brett Ernst is one, you know, one of my best friends. I love Brett. I've known Brett for a very long time. He lives in Cleveland now. Her and Brett dated, and she talks very movingly about how grateful she was to have had Brett in her life. And, and I feel that way, too. We've talked about Brett a lot lately. I talked about him independently to Sebastian. He's a, such a great dude. We talk about that. We talk about uh, what life is like with her in the pandemic. We talk about boozing. We talk about working out and boozing. We talk about the fact that when you work out hard, it subtracts all the booze hangover out of your body. Um, we talk about Mark Wahlberg and what it's like working with Mark Wahlberg, which she has now done twice. She... Eliza is really impressive because her acting chops are so genuine and authentic. That's what makes a great actress or actor. I don't know what you're supposed to call people these days. I don't want to miss. You know what I mean? Anyway, she's fucking killing it. She's got a new movie with Nick Thune called The Right One. She will go down in history as one of my drinking buddies just because we had a great conversation about being drinking buddies once. Although I don't think we've ever gotten wasted together. Anyway, you're going to love this podcast. Stand-up comedian, actress, podcaster, Ask Eliza Anything, Eliza Schlesinger. This is <laughs> That's one way to start a podcast. Oh, my God. Everything I, was coming off. Holy shit, Eliza. <laughs> yeah. You know me. Uh, <laughs> This part of my house is so cold, and so I have to turn the heat up, and then begins the eternal debate with my husband about who turned the heat up. Oh, wait. Oh, your husband likes it cold? No, he's just, I get cold easier, and so it's just, marriage is just me walking around every 10 minutes going, am I hungry? Is it cold in here? (laughs) Being like, yes, you are, and no, it's not. I love my bedroom at 68 degrees. You got to be cold to sleep. You can't be hot. Yeah, right? Hot Um, wakes you up. Too cold. Hot wakes, wakes you up. up. Hot wakes you up. I, by the way, I sweat when I when I start like uh, if I'm partying. I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the end of that sentence is, I believe that you sweat. <laughs> the, uh, you probably consistently make me laugh harder than any any one human being. Like you're just very fucking quick. You all, you you act like you grew up with like five older brothers. Yeah, you would think that, but uh, just the one younger one who I dominate, who is slower than me. <laughs> I, when I party, if I'm partying like throughout the weekend, that Monday I won't drink or Sunday night I won't drink, but man, I sweat through a pillow one Sunday night. Oh man, that sounds like withdrawals. It like, might be, it might be. <laughs> um, Yeah, I also like that you, that like it's still, you're like when I party, like you have to, yeah. like it's a thing. Like, like this is the time that I do it. Well, yeah. I watch you. I watch you party, and I and you, you like to party. You like to have a good time, and it's I interesting. I, I'm most curious about someone like you, your relationship with booze. So I remember one time you went out. They you went to a restaurant, and they didn't have the cocktail you wanted, so you brought your own cocktail <laughs> so that you could enjoy. It. You're like, I want what I want. I want what I want, and you know, it's. I'm like, oh my gosh, am I on par with like the ladies who bring like their own hot sauce in the bag or whatever? Um. <laughs> Oh my I, God. What was it? It I was, just realized if I had a purse, it would be filled with fucking hot sauces. 
Oh, you would be the grossest chick. Like it would just you'd have a beard and you'd just be like, I brought my own lard and I it's guys, covered in sweat. Hey, guys, guys, I have ice packs in here. I brought mayonnaise. I'm a good time gal. Um, I, I brought it was blue cheese stuffed olives that I wanted yeah. so badly. And very few bars have that because it's like kind of like an extra thing. So I brought them in a little baggie and I definitely at my bachelorette party. My friends took me wine tasting. And I was like, I don't know what about me is ever giving you an indication that like I want to go wine tasting, but I brought my own vodka because I yeah. do better. I like I, the wine is sometimes you get a headache, but the vodka is OK. But you're someone who gets everything done like you. You strike. There's I have, I, have a, I have like a bunch of things I want to talk to you about. Yeah. Number one being um, I have a, I have this battle between work ethic. I mean, people who claim to work hard versus people who claim that they're lucky. They got put in the right place. You are someone who genuinely I know works hard. I want to see what one of your day looks like, but I'm curious, like, how do you, how do you manage having a good time? Like you and your husband seem like every night's a good meal with a cocktail, with a drink, like really fun versus getting up early. I know you work out. I know you kind of bust your ass. Like, how do you yeah. manage the two? Oh my God. Um, uh, all I wanted to say was like, well, we really have trouble conceiving. So not having children, uh, <laughs> makes <laughs> no, it's, um, because I think girls get asked about that a lot. And I think it's kind of like, I love working. And I I really do. Somebody asked me the other night, they were like, you are you do so many shows. This sounds like I'm bragging, but I'm not. And you don't need to. I actually love the craft of it. This isn't saying that you don't or someone else doesn't. Yeah. This is just, I love the hustle of it all. But I also really struggle with having to fully stop down unless I feel I've accomplished something. Now that makes it sound like I grew up like always getting first place, which is like, so not the truth. Um, I like, I like feeling like I've earned it. You know, like you're going to take a vacation. You want to feel like you did something to deserve that yes. because otherwise you're just, it's just kind of gross. You're not rewarding yourself for anything. You want to feel like you earn these little chunks, right? Treats. I call them treats, Eliza. My day, is, treats. Defined, my day is defined by treats. Like, I, and that's how I, operate, I function is if I bust my ass, I get a treat. Now, sometimes I have to postpone my treats for like the weekend, like this week, I have a really busy week. And so I'm like, okay, I'm, I won't be able to get through the week if I don't get to sleep early. Like last night I went to bed yeah. at nine 30, but I, and, and so, yeah, well, I had a fucking, I'm, I'm in a, like, you. I'm over my head right now. So, and then I go this weekend, I get treats. So I'm just going to wait till the weekend till I get my treats. Yes. But, yeah. You, I think also, you know, it's, if you get too many treats, then you're an alcoholic. Uh, yeah. If you get too many treats, then you might lose all the things that pay for the treats in the first place. So I like, you know, I think especially in the pandemic, I've gotten more OK with being forced to slow down um, because things just don't. People already are so slow in Hollywood. Things go even slower. So I've had to. It's been like a not a struggle my career, but like being OK with like some days you're just going to have to chill. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm trying to, th I feel like I have now I have like I have so many thoughts about the treats. Oh yeah. Um, I also, sometimes you look ahead at the schedule, which was something that was taken away in the pandemic is being able, you probably know this to look at your schedule and be like, oh my God, I've got all these things to look forward to. And then we just didn't. So really, uh, being okay with, okay, these couple days are just going to be for relaxing. Soak it up now because you're going to be so tired coming up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I, and, do, I, and spacing yeah. it out. Never want to be hungover. Time. I had a hard time 
I, well, I don't get hungover. I just refuse to. I go, uh, no, just get on the treadmill, bust it out. If I work out, yeah. if I work out hard, it goes away immediately. Immediately. People immediately. don't get that. Sweat it out. Get your blood moving. We have a pool. I've never, I'm not this brave. I, I, I read about like how like a cold shower is really good for you in the morning. Mm -hmm. I have been working my way up to taking a cold shower. I put, put on the shower. I literally let it touch my back and you can hear me across the house go like, it's enough. Like I cannot, I don't know how people jump in a cold pool. My husband does it. He doesn't have tits. That's why like <laughs> cold water on your breasts is the worst thing. You can hold them. I can't, I don't know. Your so husband and I are like brothers. Water. I love nothing more than getting in my ice cold pool and dunking. And right now everyone's going, wait, she doesn't follow you on Instagram? No, she doesn't. And I'm the, you're the first person that actually had a grown-up conversation with me and said, hey, listen, I'm going to give you a heads up. I'm going to have to stop following you, and I'm going to tell you why. And you told me, and I went, I totally get it. It was the first time I went, hey, I got you. I, I appreciate that. Thank you for saying that, too. But I, I get in my pool every morning, ice cold, yeah. and I love it. It wakes me up. It makes me feel like... That's nice. If it, it 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 makes me feel like uh, like I'm alive, and it, and I do believe that you can work yourself out of a hangover. Now I think that you can get yourself so deep in a hole with hangovers where you, there's no working your way out. You need to take a day off. You need to take a Xanax and chill the fuck out. But uh, or or <laughs> drink less. <laughs> or drink like, less. You need to get some hardcore pharmaceuticals. <laughs> figure it out. I also here's what I found. I think my we are all like these delicate ecosystems and we're so used to like, here's a Xanax, here's your alcohol, have the solution. It's like, well, we're not all Don Draper. I have found I can drink less and still be drunk. And it's not like it was when, you know, you were like 30 and you could have like five or six vodka sodas and whatever. So I'm finding less is more. I also have so much natural energy and I know that bothers people, but like I am a morning person, which I'm not a night person. I picked the wrong job. I don't need this coffee. In fact, like I will have heartburn from this later. I give myself <laughs> one cup because I wake up like pumped. I wake really? up like I grab the dog and we sing like 15 minutes of songs and I'm good to go. I tend to not when people are like, no, no talkie before coffee. I'm like, get a fucking life. <laughs> like, like you're fine. You're so lucky to be alive. And uh, yeah, no coffee past like three because then. Yep. I bet I bet you were the funnest girlfriend. I said this to my husband when we got married. I was like, I promise like it was in our vows. I was like, what I can promise you is that we will always have so much fun. You guys look like you have a fucking blast. Like you really we have do. a blast. I had an ex-boyfriend one time. We like broke up and I was like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't have a problem with him. Like he's sweet man. He was like, it's just so fun being with you. He didn't say the sex was great. He didn't say like, you're so hot. He was like, we just have so much fun. You have to. You. I think what's that's the other thing that's been, that's been kind of taken away. Like our thing is like, let's go out at like nine and get dinner, especially after shows. Like our relationship was built on where can we, cause he's a chef. So we had similar hours. Like where can we go and get silly together? And that hasn't, you know, you can't really do that in the pandemic. So it's like, okay, how can we squeeze this fun out of like these last drops of fun out of a Sunday death to me is a Sunday night and every weekday from 4 PM to 7 PM because 4 PM to 7 PM, the industry is done answering emails. Yeah, yeah. Anybody that has kids, they're dealing with their kids and everybody else is like getting ready for stuff. So it's kind of like a graveyard and you're just wow. sitting there like fully caffeinated, like ready to fuck. <laughs> 
<laughs> like nobody's, four to nobody's seven. around. Four to seven. That's interesting. We call that the witching hour in our house. Why? Because that's because that's when that's when that's when I make the call. And if and Leanne, you know, it's very funny. Uh, how many people? And I I wonder this sometimes. I put so much of my life on Instagram as as you do at times. How many people connect with you sincerely? And one of the things I love about you and your husband's relationship is I I love the playfulness because it is a lot of me and Leanne. As Leanne and I, I play I fuck around with Leanne nonstop. Like I am got to. I'm a fun I'm a fun hang all the time. But one one of the things Leanne does that reminds me of you and your husband, we got this thing called a Bartesian. And it may and Leanne Leanne always wants a cocktail, but she doesn't want to open a bottle and get a bottle of mixer and then be committed totally. for the week to run through a bottle of mixer. And she likes she likes what she said, signature cocktails. Uh. So we got this thing of Bartesian, and you just you put in a pod like a Keurig, and then you all the all the booze is attached to it. You hit a button and it drains the booze, makes the cocktail. And one of my favorite things, and I didn't drink much during the pandemic unless I was on tour. Um was Leanne would go, hey, Bert, signature cocktail, and she'd do skipper fingers, and I'd get so <laughs> excited. And I I would be totally going, I'm not drinking, but if it's happening during the witching hour, signature cocktail, I'm fucking in for. During that witching hour, because that time of day is your, you're deciding, like, what's this night going to be? Are we going to start drinking now and keep it going? Are we just going to have, like, a healthy dinner and watch 30 Rock for the fifth <laughs> time this year? We just finished it again. The other night. Um, and so, yeah, those hours really determine the rest of it. Like, are you going to be up? Do you want to take a shower? Do you want to put on face cream and go out? We are not. We So during the pandemic, I'm sure you got invited to these two, like a lot of like virtual premieres. Mm-hmm. Two things. So so a company, for those of you that don't know, like they'll be like, we have a movie coming out. And since no one can go to a premiere, we'll send you dinner or we'll send you a gift box and watch our movie. I have a fun hack. Okay, so two hacks. One. So they'll be like, here's $150 to Postmates. Order dinner and watch our movie. Yeah. What I've started doing, because like you typically, for the two of you, don't need $150 worth of dinner. So I will order $150 worth of like face cream or like collagen <laughs> from like moon juice. And so you end up with these like really expensive products and your skin feels great and you watch the movie. Um, the other thing is, yeah, they send a lot of pre-mixed drinks. Mm-hmm. This is California. All of us have oranges and lemons growing in our yard. And yeah. we really enjoy He'll just make a fun cocktail. We got the nice, we use the nice tumblers we got for our wedding. We use them every oh, night. Oh, I love, I love a good tumbler. A good weighted, like cut crystal tumbler. Cut crystal. Cut, and Noah has this rule because I'm not so indecisive, but I love sampling things. When we go to dinner, we always order two cocktails, one that looks fun and one that we're not sure about. And he's like, you pick the one he's like, and he drinks the one that I don't like. So it's yeah. always this like blind taste test. We like to get silly and it's been hard because you can't take Ubers or anything. So it's a lot of just how silly can you get the two of you, but still function the next day. We also don't drink anywhere near what we used to really anymore because because dealing with a hangover like gives you something to do. But now it's like, I don't know. The older I get, the more my eyes hurt. There's and you miss other people, you know. Like we're always trying to. Sometimes I'll, if I can't, if I know I have to be up early, and this is from years of being on the road. You know, as a comic, sometimes you only have like four hours to sleep. You get into, you know, you've got I've got to sleep tonight because I got to get up for this flight. So every once in a while, I'll take like half an Ambien. I love staying up on Ambien. Wait, I've never done that. Is it fun? You shouldn't. It will be like a rhinoceros. (laughs) 
<laughs> in a china shop. You should not do it. Uh, it is uh, whatever. Full disclosure, like don't do drugs, whatever. I take half because I don't. It doesn't take much for me to like I only take like half a Tylenol, whatever. I take half and I get in bed. The rule is I cannot have my phone. That's how Roseanne lost her career. Oh, so wow. I, I get in bed and he'll notice this like shift. I'll be like, I want to talk about a party. And I'll just like plan a party with him. He's like, I think you should close your eyes. I'm like, what are we going to do for Fourth of July? What kind of meat? What kind of meat should we serve? And I like to, I'll get up. I'll be like, I'm just going to clean around the house. He's like, why don't you get in bed? I'm like, I'm just going to clean up the office. Like you start to get very functional, but I like to look to the future and plan out like what kind of party we're going to have for like a friend's <sighs> birthday on Ambien. Try it. I got it. Half an Ambien, get in bed and talk. I got to try. I, I'm, I, my go-to, I, I got these edibles that I do a half up. I don't even know if I feel them because they're really lightweight. They're only like five milligrams. And I'm, I'm terrified to wake up in the middle of the night with a panic attack. Cause I do wake up yeah. with panic attacks. And so I don't want to really? wake up with them. Yeah. I wake up with panic attacks. What a, a treat lot. for your wife. <laughs> she, uh, she doesn't sleep in the bed with me anymore. Eliza, she sleeps on the couch. <laughs> our dogs, our dogs are, have overrun our house and they, yeah. and and our male dog is uh, marking the house. Oy. Yeah. And so, and he's a bull massive. So he's like 140 pounds. So it's like a dude just pissing on your couch. So you've been, you've been cuckolded by your dog. <laughs> yeah. I have. No, that's awful. And so she uh, sleeps on the couch yeah. with them to kind of keep an eye on them. And, uh, and she's been doing that. And I, you know, I, I, I don't complain. I really enjoy, I don't know why men and women have to have the same bed at all. Like I don't, or bedrooms. I want to be like the king and queen. Yeah. Super waspy, separate bedrooms. I don't know, especially if you have like sleep issues. Um, this is so horrible, but sometimes this is such a marriage thing. Sometimes my husband breathes too loud when we're sleeping. Like I like it has to be silent for me to fall asleep. And if he's breathing, I feel so bad because he has trouble sleeping. So sometimes I'll like nudge him to wake him up and I'll be like, oh, you were you were scared in your sleep. And then he like goes back to quiet breathing. Um, we have small dog. Where is she? Oh, she's in this basket. Look at this. She's in a basket. Oh. She sleeps in the bed. When we got her, everyone's like, you need a crate trainer. And I was like, if by crate train, you mean sleeping under my belly in a bed. That's the opposite Ooh. of what you have. You know, it's so funny when you lost uh, your first dog, your uh, Blanche. Blanche, you put something on Twitter. You put something on Instagram about, hey, don't reach out to me. I don't actually don't want to hear from you. And, uh, and, and, I, and I was like, I remember thinking, um, I remember not really understanding it, you know, and then going like, I was like, that's odd that she wouldn't just want to receive loving comments. And then, uh, we had to put down our dog, Priscilla, our first bull mastiff, our, our favorite dog we probably ever have had. And it's so funny. I didn't even, I didn't think about what you did, but I disabled comments. I didn't want to hear, I didn't want anyone to, I don't, I didn't give a fuck. I didn't yeah. care to hear anyone's opinion about anything. Yeah. I like, this, I just, I'm posting a picture. So, you know, I lost my dog. So don't bring it up. Like, don't bring, you know, like. Which they for sure still do. Like, how's your house Priscilla? And you're like, are you not a fan or do you yeah. just not pay attention? It is that thing when she died. Um, I was on tour in Japan. And so this is like your dog's a world away and she died. And I just remember thinking, cause it hurts so much. When you actually, like, we all go online for validation in some form, you know, yeah. but when you actually are, like, brought to your knees by grief, you aren't jumping online 
to share that yet. Eventually I did and I wrote stuff and then you can let it in. But like, you know, people that are like, hey, I'm just on here publicly grieving. Like this is really personal. When something actually stops you in your tracks, your first thought actually isn't, I got to share this with the public. It's about processing and then you can share it later. But uh, fortunately for me, this is like one of the, I, I still have my parents. I have like a healthy family. I haven't had to experience that, but like I had a miscarriage earlier this year and I, my thought was, I'm like, do I put this online? And I was like, if I, my rule is always like, if I have to think about something twice, then I don't do it online. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't because I was like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this. And I don't know that I need somebody that like secretly hates me, but still follows me to say something horrible about it. And then I started talking about it on stage, which was so funny. Um, but, uh, it is that thing where when something horrible does happen, your first thought is, okay, how do I feel better privately? Not how do I monetize this? Yeah. Or at least I, shouldn't be. Well, no, I, th- I think I, 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 I put a lot less people think I put a lot online. I put a lot less than people than I think about putting online. I think about putting a lot of stuff online and mm-hmm. I always catch myself. I do not, I, number one thing, and I have done this, I'm very, I am guilty of this. But I, I try not to call out any comedian that is dealing with uh, cancel bullshit. And I have done it. I have done it. I don't. I didn't think I was doing it at the time. I thought I was being fair and even, to be dead honest with you. But uh, but it turns out I did it. I've done it. So I can't say I'm innocent. But um, I try not to call people out because I, I, I try not to virtue signal. I try not to like tell you my politics in like a in like a grandstanding tweet. I try to just like go. Like, you know, that I was thinking of this today, the whole adage of, um, you know, you can't talk, you can't listen if you're not, if you're talking, like I'm Mm -hmm. trying to listen to everything going on. I really want to learn and grow and be able to write jokes about shit where people go, where I'm still me, I'm still whatever the fuck makes me, but you know, make sure that like, I don't say certain words, like, you know, certain words I take out of my vocabulary because I I don't want to fuck up someone's day just from, they're coming to see my show. Right. But, um, But I don't, so I don't tweet a lot about anything. Like right. that stuff. I was actually thinking of getting off Twitter altogether. But even saying that, even saying I'm getting off Twitter altogether is a virtue signal. It's like grandstanding. Itself. Yeah. I don't think it's virtue signal as much as like it is like, well, look what I'm doing because I'm so great. I That's so funny. That I literally think about this morning how I definitely don't engage with Twitter the way I did years ago. And yeah. this is all speaking to um a process of understanding technology and our place within it. You know, we all got on Twitter, we all say stuff. And then you're like, oh my God, none of us really understood the ramifications of it being forever. Nobody realized, you know, I look at posts on Instagram that aren't bad, but like that I did like seven years ago that either like aren't funny or boring or like something I wouldn't do now. And we don't, because of the permanence of the internet, nobody's allowed to make mistakes. Nobody's allowed to atone for anything. And any mistake you make will follow you now. There are plenty of people who have made mistakes that like probably should follow them. And you probably shouldn't be speaking at a historic black college if you used to like run KKK rallies, you know, so there's versions of that. But it is it is this tricky thing where none of us understood what we were doing for the longest time. Um, And even as I'm talking about it now, I'm like, oh, God, what are people going to find? The tricky thing about cancel culture also is I believe it's like this. And I have said this before. The your response, like, let's say you said something horrible today. okay, and people decide they want to cancel you. What hits the biggest is the initial impact of the story. 
Bert made fun of, I'm going to make this as benign as possible, made Please. fun of ferns. So fern oh, love. So he says something God. horrible about ferns. And now fern lovers react. That is like the epicenter of the earthquake. And what people, few people feel is the aftershock. So the aftershock would be your response to being canceled. Does that make sense? So people yeah. typically feel like the, the sensation of what hits and less people tune in for your response and then their response and then the apology. And you kind of, so you should apologize for things when you feel like, oh my God, I really, really fucked up. But the truth is the people that you're apologizing to probably aren't going to believe that. Like if somebody says something anti-Semitic and then the next day they're like, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. Me and every other Jew were like, mm, you still hate Jews. Like <laughs> I'll probably still see your movies. I'll do whatever. But like deep down, I know. So it's kind of like, well, who is this apology actually for? You no. know, is it for you to feel better and atone? The people that are offended probably aren't even hearing your apology. Is And at the end, I think a lot of times it just comes down to corporations saving money, saving face. Um, so I think it all becomes very personal because the people that you offended probably aren't even sticking around to hear you defend yourself. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I uh, today I today I was completely duped. I was completely duped. And and this is what is this is why I wanted to why I was like I was like maybe I should never go on Twitter. Was about a, two weeks ago there was an article on Twitter saying um, Cracker Barrel's racist. Did you see this? No. So they I said Cracker Barrel's racist. Um, you can tell by the drawing it's a whip. That's a whip that he's whipping. And and yeah, the that's what crackers are. Yeah. When they, they said the terminology, okay. the terminology yeah. was a, a that barrel is where they used to keep the whips for the slaves. And then right. and that's what that's why it's called a cracker barrel. And cracker barrels for the white people. And yep. I was like, and I was like, oh, my God. And in my head, I'm like, I fucking love Cracker Barrel. And You're I like, where on, else do I eat on the road? Where else am I going to eat in <laughs> Iowa? <laughs> I've been going to Cracker Barrel my whole life. And I yeah. tell Leanne this. And Leanne, like, that's not what it is. I go, no, I'm serious. I and then today I'm watching the History Channel. And, and they're like, they're like, um, they're talking. It's it's the foods that build America. And they're like, you know, initially, uh, you know, crackers were really hard to get. To, to keep they would get people sick because they were sent in a barrel there was in a it was called a cracker barrel and i was like huh i was like oh they had barrels that moved crackers do you think maybe that's where a food place got their idea of calling the name of the thing and then i go online and it's like all these places are like this was complete and total misinformation that twitter right. had to take down because it was just and i was like son of a bitch they fucking got me here i am thinking yeah being like, too woke like being like like listening listening and i was like all right man i'm not gonna read anything on anything anymore because no matter what you read someone takes what their what their agenda is yeah and spins it so that now they have an argument it's almost like arguing with it's a, drunk it's a strong fucking it's a straw man argument yeah. it's and so you know, it's well, that is why the onus is on us now more than ever to actually like cite your sources and find the information and um, transparency is so important. And that is also. I think it should be a punishable offense to it for deliberately posting misinformation. And I, I think also you should think lose your Twitter. You should lose your you Twitter. You should be. Gone. I'll do you one better. I think because there's so much anonymity on the internet. It really is like the Wild West and laws haven't even caught up to all the things that are happening online, which just speaks to uh, the sludge-like pace of our bureaucracy and our policy and our lawmaking. But I think you should have an email that is associated with your social security number. 
And that way you want to go online. You want to terrorize people. You want to make like anarchist cookbook threats. We will know who you are. And this is not about Big Brother as much as just accountability on liberal and conservative posting things that serve your agenda because your facts don't substantiate it enough. Misinformation like that is just as dangerous as whatever people end up doing with it and spreading that. And every time you cry wolf and you post this information trying to get people on your side, it just makes people that less likely to believe you later. And so what's wrong with that? What's wrong with transparency and accountability? Um, Newspapers do it. They mispublish something and then they write like, hey, we're retracting this. We made a mistake. You should have to cite your sources and it should be illegal to post misinformation. I'm blown away that people get doxxed the way they do. Like that really and it's totally okay. A hundred percent. I and I'm just I'm just shocked. Too much that coffee. I'm by the way, this is my second Trenta. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about like transparency in a bureaucracy. Like, who am I? I'm like <laughs> sitting here with like Uggs on with like no pants. Isn't it interesting though, the transition we as comics have have been forced to take in in I was today I was thinking, I was like, what wonder what Eliza's first podcast she did? And I was like, it had it had to be Rogan. It was all of ours, right? Well, like first guest? Yeah, first guest. First guest you were on a podcast. No, I mean, I've been, but I think I, I, I don't remember the first, po- I mean, does morning radio count? As no, like a podcast? no, no, not when they, not when they, you mean the old, you know, we're going to keep going for an extra five minutes. We throw it on our podcast and you're like, and by the way, we're filming your face. You're like, oh, I wasn't, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, but go on. Here's I did a radio show one time and they're like, and we're talking, we're, we're, and in the, in between and we're, and we're really talking shit because you know, we're off air. And you can see they're really into it. And they're all talking into their microphones. And I'm like, are you guys recording this? And they're like, oh, yeah, this goes on our podcast. And I'm like, hey, you got to tell someone that, man. Like, you can't. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'll just be like forever on like do drop in the morning zoo, like saying weird shit about immigration. Thanks so much. The um, But no, what was your first podcast? Because I, I remember doing no. I remember doing podcasts with you. I had a vlog where we did your podcast. And when we used to do podcasts, I'm trying to think lately. I go, what did we talk about? Because now it seems like all that comes up is like cancel culture, wokeness, um, free speech, like uh, like all these weird issues that I I don't ever well, remember having passion about. Because it wasn't as much in the ether as it is now. I also think, you know, your what you were being interviewed about when you first started going on podcast versus me as a woman, like the questions were always like, so what do you look for in a guy? Are you dating? It was always about like sex or like dudes or like when you go out with your friends now, granted, you know, in your twenties, those are your experiences and the other things you talk about. But, uh, I was never a political comic, but I also think so. So what girls get asked, um, is different. And then also, you know, you, it was, it, there's so much vitriol. You know, I would go on podcasts of friends, totally like male comics, totally. I don't know what's happening with my hair and it's all I can look at in this thing. It looks totally great. agreeing with, thank you so much. Totally agreeing with them. But then the comments would be like this fucking bitch. And you're like, oh, so it's not about anything that I'm saying. You just hate that there's a girl talking and I would keep going. And so it wasn't, it's this weird thing where people have like calmed down a little bit. Um, and I think we're all like minding our P's and Q's a little bit more. But I also think the older you get and the longer you do comedy, the more of a point of view you get, the more you have to start to talk about things that aren't just the things you were talking about in your 20s. You know, we're talking about like an yeah. evolution and your audience get aging with you and your priorities changing. Um, and I think that that's the sign 
of, of a good comic, of a truly evolved comic is you're talking about things that are less uh, on the surface um, and, and deeper and more personal and you're connecting with people versus like if I'm still talking about like going out and getting drunk and dating, <laughs> my husband's going to be like, who are you dating? <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Hims. Did you know that 66% of men start losing their hair by the age of 35? Tom Segura does. Look at this. Full head of locks, kind of. I'm doing reads, sorry. <laughs> We're in the middle of shooting. <laughs> this is why my podcast is late. It's a good podcast, though. Uh, I stopped my hair loss at the age of 21. I did something about it. I started taking medication, not snake oil pills, not gas station remedies, but medication backed by science. And that is what EMS can bring you. This is all wellness meant for men. Sexual wellness, hair loss. I got my copy here to make sure we talk, we, we don't miss it. These are prescription solutions backed by science. When I started losing my hair, I had to go to a doctor. I had to wait in line. I had to go to a pharmacy. Not anymore. All you do is answer a few quick questions online. Hims will connect you with a medical licensed medical professional online, which would save you hours. Completely confidential, discreet. Answer a few quick questions, and that medical professional will review and determine if it's right for you, and if they can prescribe you the medication to treat your hair loss that's shipped directly to your door. How fucking nice is that? To your door. Oh, you don't have to go to fucking the store like I had to forever. Today, Hims is giving you their best offer yet. If you're not happy with your results after 90 days, Hims will give you a full refund. And right now, my listeners can get their first visit absolutely for free. Go to forhims.com slash birdcast. That's forhims.com slash birdcast. Uh, disclaimer, prescription products require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. Remember, that's forhims.com slash birdcast. This podcast is brought to you by Fiverr. If you're a business owner, you probably know exactly what you'd do with an extra day each week. Maybe you'd launch a new website, spend more time on your marketing, your services, or find new, more creative ways to build your brand. I know for a fact I am a business owner. I run BurtBurtBurt.com and this podcast, and I would love an extra day. But you don't need an extra day. What you really need is Fiverr, one-stop shop for world-class freelance talent. Dude, I was just thinking about this today. I have so much footage from my tour this summer and I need an editor. This is a great, sorry, I'm doing reads, Chris. No, 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 you can hang out. You're just gonna listen to me talk to you about Fiverr. Do you have a business and need a freelance artist? Fiverr's global network of on-demand freelance talent is here to help. Whether you're launching your first business, scaling your current business, or in need of extra support from graphic design, copywriting, marketing, web program, film editing, which is what I need. I'm gonna go to Fiverr and get this. Scoring music, oh, I do need that too. And more, find your talent and begin working on your project within minutes. Check out Fiverr.com and receive 10% off your first order by using my code BERT. That's F-I-B-E-R-R.com to re- receive 10% off your first order by using my promo code BERT. Find all the digital services you need in one place at F-I-B-E-R-R.com and the code is BERT. Again, that's Fiverr.com and the code's BERT. I felt like I was talking about my kids and life and like i felt like i was talking about it too early like i remember i remember going up and and seeing dudes that uh would talk about like uh drunk chicks and and ordering drinks and yeah and going to clubs and i'm sitting there going uh my daughter's learning disabled <laughs> and i remember just feeling like i remember being at the store going like is that does anyone have a kid or a wife or right like and then and now it's so funny because you see like, you know, I mean, not now at the store, but, you know, 
all of a sudden, like Rogan's got kids, Segura's got kids, everybody's uh, got Burr's kids, got kids, everyone's got kids, and I'm and I see them all. Like it's funny because the shit I was talking about when I was 35, they're all experiencing now. Right. And I'm looking at that. You know, I felt so alone in 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 writing material for specials because I'm talking about taking my kids to school for the first time right. and meeting other parents and and hang and all these things that I was like not I wouldn't say like I was a trailblazer I was I was just like no one's got kids no well, one's none of doing your, this none of your peers did but like Jim Gaffigan's been talking about his kids yeah. like forever you know and so I think it's more it's less about comics in general and just more like your my peer like group. your peer group um. And so, but I also think, you know, the, tr those, whatever those jokes were like, those were successful jokes for a reason. Like yeah. people at all ages are listening at all times. Um, and I've been like with this last special, but more in the material I'm writing now, you know, there comes a point where it's like, okay, I've said, I've created this category and I've said all that there is to say about X, Y, and Z. And now are you talking about elder millennial. Elder Millennial and then Unveiled and just getting oh, like yeah, that was yeah. about getting married. But, you know, like I built my career off of being in my 20s, 30s, going out and discussing social interactions and un dis yeah. and take and uh, analyzing them. And from I, I think from an intelligent place and then you have Party Goblin and all these things which were so germane to who I was at the time. And those things have contributed to who I am as an artist. But I'm evolving as a human and it is your job as a comic to talk about your own evolution and put that out there so people can see themselves reflected back in it. And at the end of the day, like you always have to be authentic and you always want to talk about you'll the audience will find you. And hopefully the women that were understanding and the guys are understanding me then have also evolved and we're all talking about new things. There's still always going to be this like whimsical partying element to it. But I think I've prepped my audience enough that like I'm going to be doing some analyzing of ourselves and our place in time and our place in society, which doesn't sound fun as I'm saying it, but <laughs> you have to evolve as an artist. You need to comment on what you're going through, no matter whether it's cancer treatment or getting shit can in Cancun. Like these are your truths. Yeah. You know? Um, and, and it is interesting. Yeah. Like I remember when we, when I first started, the thing was, and this has always been like men shitting on their wives, because what you were dealing with were a lot of male comics who were older than me, who really resented that they were married, really resented like that they weren't like hot shots just out there fucking probably cheating on their wives. And the patina that they sort of applied to marriage was like a very like, take my wife, please. So as a girl, like a 25 year old girl, I'm watching these men. And my thought was like, oh, wow, men hate their wives. Men hate being married. And that sort of colors the way you see relationships because you're around these guys at clubs all the time who like are for sure flirting with girls and are for sure like cheating and for sure you never meet their wives, you know, and then everybody kind of grows up a little bit. And then all the people that I came up with now, they're like, it's, it's changed a little bit. Like it's not cool anymore to like shit talk on your wife. Now it's yeah. like Sebastian loves his wife. You love your wife. You know, you watch these guys coming from a place of love versus I'm so fucking miserable. I hate this woman. Yeah. That was at least the way I observed it coming up. And uh, I, I was always hesitant to talk positive about my wife because all I knew were guys who talked positive on their wives and cheated on them. Like that was, there's a, that, that too. Was, that was what I saw. And I, I, oh, I was always like, mm -hmm. I was like, all right, I always want to come at an honest place. Like I always want to come from a, like if you're married and you're with your wife, I want you guys to hit each other in the arm and go, that's us, you know? 
as right, opposed for to sure. I remember watching someone just grandstand about his how great his wife was, and then next thing you know, he's getting his dick sucked in the green room. And I'm like, Ooh, I oh, I bet okay. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, you do. Um, and uh, <laughs> it's so funny. Like comics are such vaults. Like we we all know all the horrible things, but it's not for us to say who it is. But that'd be hilarious if we did. Okay, so then, um, so then when is it for us to say who it is? Like here's what today I was thinking. I ha- there's a few other things I want to talk to. You. I want to stay where we're where we are, but. At what point I'm sitting in the shower today and I, and I, there's a guy. You sit in the shower. I was no. I was like, that is the move. <laughs> By the way, I so, have sat in the shower. I'm drinking in the shower. <laughs> and I, there's a, there's a, a bad person who said something nasty about me. And I, and I know he's a bad person. Right? Oh, I can't wait to find out all this stuff after we stop recording. I love <laughs> hot gossip. <laughs> and I just was like, okay, so do I like it? What, where's the responsibility? Where's the onus? For yeah. people to start calling people out, because I, because I, I, I never yeah. just, I never do, I never do. I always go, it's not my place. I'm not going to be the one to light somebody up and then start mm. this fucking witch hunt. And maybe I misconstrued it, maybe I misunderstood it, but I go, that is an interesting, you know, if because it, 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 when when there was, I don't. This is sounds when I don't. I, I'm trying to be very uh, coy about this, but there was a there was a big thing. Was it that Joe Coy? Was it no, Joe Coy? It's definitely not Joe Coy. <laughs> you weren't dropping a hint. We no. love Joe. Okay. But there was this there was this period in the very beginning of the pandemic, mid mid beginning of pandemic, where uh, all of a sudden people were starting to call people out based on one guy's accusations, and then all of a sudden all male comics they were like, "Call out the guys who cheat on their wife. Call out the guys who are." Dogs. It's not illegal to cheat on your wife, by the way. Yeah, like it's I, not. I, it's not. Look, I am not here to like. This is, here's what people have to have to reconcile. It's not illegal to be a creep, unfortunately. Yeah. What's illegal is illegal. And so feelings are not facts, right? Like he always grossed me out. It's like, yeah, he's a male. Male comics will do that. Um, (laughs) I would like. What percentage of male comics? Literally 100, 100. (laughs) Whatever your question is, is 100. By and large, just absolutely disgusting creatures <laughs> or my colleagues and the majority of the people at my birthday party. But um, uh, it's not illegal to be. And I'm actually thinking of a variety of things right now. And so this is not about one specific thing. It's not illegal to be a creep. And I do very much want to live in a society where you are not presumed guilty before a trial and where an accusation is not a conviction because that pendulum can swing very heavily one way or the other. Um, And so that's all we can say about it. Like there are things that are illegal and then there are things that are just like, oh, that guy sucks. What? And so that's that. But I also think, you know, some guy does something wrong, something illegal. It's not on me as a woman to comment. It's not my responsibility to issue a public statement. Um, my responsibility is to make sure that the people that I love that are around me and that other people feel safe if they're with me. Um, but all that happens is like, let's say you do something horrible and then they're like, Oh, Eliza, what do you think about what Bert did? All that is, is to generate clickbait. Nobody actually like, it's just like, how, how can we bury this guy? And so I tend to Sometimes like, and I've done it before. I've get, I've gotten very moved about something. And you're like, if I don't, if not me, who, who will stand up for this? Sometimes it's self-serving when people do that. Um, you know, it's, you got to look at intention uh, when we're talking about 
people commenting on other people's actions. Um, and there is a huge, you know, there's a whole thing online right now about like call out stuff. It's, I can understand if you're friends with someone being conflicted about that because you don't know the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, so that again, goes back to like getting facts. Um, but that is a tough thing. I believe almost every single woman because almost every single woman in comedy has been assaulted or harassed by another comic. I can't imagine wanting to be in this business. Now, now I have my own stories that are, um, that are not pleasant that I've shared on other people's podcasts. And, and I think people know about whether it's taking bits and feeling and then feeling like that person just didn't care about me or, or actually physical contact where someone slapped me a couple times and, 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 and thought it was, you know, it's an alpha thing. And I go, I understand those and I'm still here, but I can't imagine. And I think this is, I think the eye-opening thing for me that happened with, with at least the beginning of the change of the seeing things differently, what it must, what it must've been like when I, when I like 10 years ago to be a woman in comedy, when there was no platform, there was no repercussion, there was no, and, and especially being you being young and attractive and just going into the green room, hoping to work, and then just seeing dogs. I'll be honest. I, I, why I so I privately, I will DM women because I don't want to like public. Like I just, I really want to get things done. So I'll privately be like, if you need something, like you can come to me. Like yeah. I will. Like I'm not. A, these guys aren't going to take work away from me. Like I will stand by. You know, if it's a legit claim. I. By the way, I also did a show. Um, not that long ago at a very small venue and somebody DM me, they're like, he raped someone. And I was like, whoa, like, I don't want to perform there if he did, but I also don't want to accuse this guy of that. If he didn't, I straight up went up to the guy. I was like, did you rape this person? And he got look like, I don't, he, and he goes, and he explained to me he, his side of it. Turns out it wasn't true. And the person accusing this person and fuck that person, by the way, because when you make a false accusation like that for self-serving reasons, you are taking unfairly taking legitimacy away from someone else's claim. And everything should be in a perfect world. Everyone's listened to. Everything is parsed out. And we judge these things accordingly. Unfortunately for that guy, it was just like a fellow booker was like, try it was like this weird thing. And it's like D level comedy in a city that you don't even go to. It's whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was really, I was like, look, I don't suffer fools. Did you do it? What's the fucking story? Yeah. And there were no claim. And by the way, the post was taken down. Like there was no like paper trail, no legitimacy. And that's usually not the case. Like something horrible usually did happen. What the hell was the point of saying that? Um, I can't remember now what you just said. Oh this yeah. Is my story is a little unrelatable. And so that's why I try to have my heart even more open when I hear things like this, because you win a show uh, at 25 or 26 and I became a headliner so young that I never the, the power dynamic that's typically there oh. wasn't there for me I was the dude that would be sexually harassing you like I already was <laughs> like I didn't have to for better or for worse and I did miss out on a lot of that like bonding time with other comics but at 26 I was alone headlining with no supervision no mentor no real touchstone, but I didn't have to ask anyone for permission. I didn't have to impress anyone yeah. because I was already at that level. So I forgot about I that. missed out. I missed out on in a good way on a lot of the trials and the struggles that a lot of women are put through 
on the road. Do I sleep with this guy? By the way, for the girls that are listening that do comedy, no woman in comedy ever, ever has become successful by fucking a dude. Like, show me <laughs> one who like blew her way to the top. It's literally never happened. So don't do it. <laughs> don't think <laughs> because you get girls that are like, and he said he'd give me stage time. Girl, go book your own show. Yeah. There are plenty of allies and I'm not faulting women. I'm saying these men don't have as much power as you think they do. No, find another power. show. No, I, I can tell you the men, I can tell you the men who have power and like, uh, and, and they certainly, certainly would never, I wouldn't, I can't, I'm, I'm, it's, it's beyond me to think that I would allow someone to open for me for a blowjob. Like I, my audience is for way a too shitty blowjob for yeah. a fucking blowjob that I bad blowjob. I don't even know if it's good or not. And, you, and all of a sudden, I'm going to put you in front of 3,500 people at the Chicago theater for two shows and yeah. watch you and watch you suck another dick on stage that that is even the biggest worse dick. The first, yeah, <laughs> fuck um, that. And that's not. And that's less. You know, that's talking to a very small percentage of people that think, oh, this is the way to do it. Um, I just I, I've been wanting to say this like in mass. Like you don't realize like the power that you have. As a comic here, I'm telling this to men and women go to when the world opens up again, go to a shitty bar and say to them, what's your slowest night? And they'll say Monday and you say, I'd like to do a comedy show. You can. And that's what I did. I ran my own several of my own rooms because I wasn't, you know, people don't know you and they don't want to give you spots. You create that. You don't have to ask anyone for permission. Someone might be a gatekeeper. They may not book you at a club. They may not book you on a talk show. They may not book you on a thing. You go do something else and eventually they'll come around. Um, just because there's a click. I mean, I remember, God, the vibes at the comedy store that a lot of comics to this day are still afraid of and don't go to the comedy store because of that negative environment propagated by a couple of guys that made it really toxic and those guys don't work anymore and they're not there anymore. And like that all goes away. You know, there's always going to be bad in every industry. I'm sure yeah. there are guys that like run mattress making companies that are like full on rapists. Like it's every industry yeah. and it's just less regulated because it's show business, but like you are in control of your career and no one's going to give it to you, but nobody has the right to take it away from you. So Go around. I remember hearing uh, something about the comedy store about going about like very recently about this boys club mentality. And I, I, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I, I, I'm sure I said it on a podcast, but I was like, yeah, that, that boys club mentality used to scare me. And they're like, you're part of the boys club. And I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, no, I'm talking about. And then I was like, oh, I guess ultimately you look at me and they go, oh, I'm friends with I'm friends with all the guys, but I'm also friends with all the girls. And I didn't hang out at the comedy store because there was this toxicity there at the time at that the time. is no longer there. But also remember- like judge you individually, like Burt Kreischer, God, please don't make me eat these words later, but like, oh, you're a sweet God, guy. Don't even say him. Don't even say him. He's a nice man. <laughs> and like Joe Rogan, like has always been very egalitarian, you know, and he's very equal opportunity. And like all these, you know, like Tom Segura, like married to a woman who's very funny. Like these are not scumbag guys. And yes, sometimes we find out later someone was being awful, but I, you know, to lump all guys in, even though I just said all male commerce are horrible to lump, <laughs> it is, it's just not fair, you know, yeah. or I don't like being lumped in with other comics no more than anybody else does. So it's tough because you want to judge them for that. 
because of like the vibe given off. But, you know, you got to go case by case basis. I was so funny that when you said that I, there was a guy once at that worked at the store that was like, you know, uh, a staple. And uh, he was a very God, I nasty. I can't wait to get this name. I want all the names. The I, way, want I, I bet you're friends call. with him. I bet you're friends with him, but he was a very nasty person. And I remember hearing people talk about him when I first started doing podcasts. I remember hearing people talk about him and bragging on what a nasty person he was. And I was like, yeah, he was a nasty person to me also. Like, I was like, I'm not going to, you're not going to change my opinion. And then, and then, uh, and then I, I've never seen the person since. There's a lot of that. There's a lot. I mean, also, you know, comedy comes in these like spurts or waves, you know, and you come to the store, you get into comedy at like a moment in time and there's certain comics that are popular and there's certain things that are popular. And, you know, every five years, it kind of like sell turnover, like it kind of becomes something new. So to not get into, first of all, if you're being deterred by other people, like you weren't built for this, like you, we all, no matter how quiet you are as a comic or how awkward we all are imbued with this sense of like, I got something to say. I deserve to be on that stage alone. Um, and if you, if you're going to be deterred by crazy people, then you shouldn't be in show business. I didn't realize how fully insane people were. And I've chosen to keep a pretty level head and be like mentally healthy about it. But it's just, it's a given in this business. Like you are around chemically unstable people in positions of power, really unstable. Like, I don't think people understand really uns- how unstable <laughs> comics are. I had a comic tell me one time, I think really negative thoughts about women. And I went, I said, well, I think, look, we're all there, man. Like, I mean, everyone gets our heart broken. He goes, oh, no, no, no. I I think we're thinking about talking about two different things. And I was like, and then he just stopped talking and started drinking. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And then, and then, oh. And And then he killed himself. (laughs) Fucking. I mean, that's what it's. You find your own like level too. Like I have like dark thoughts that are funny, but you know, water seeks out its own level. And it really has to be like, I remember when I started, oh my God, I would enter these comedy competitions called like ultimate laugh down. And they were in like Orange County and I'd have to drive after work, my blazer, my Chevy blazer. And I would go to Orange County and you compete. And I made it all the way to the end. And there was a guy, I don't remember his name, who was like a father, like a middle-aged father who I don't even think I'd ever met, but would send me horrific emails. I'd never been called like the C word or like a bitch. Like, and I hadn't done, I'm a 24 year old girl. And he's like, you're a fucking bitch. And you're, you deserve to die. Like all this horrible stuff. And you're just like, what did I do other than show up and do my act? Like, okay, I'm sorry that these jokes about traffic aren't like brilliant, but like (laughs) you, why are you doing this to me? And then like a year later, he was like, I had to go to rehab and I want to apologize. And you're like, fuck you, dude. You (laughs) took this out. Like you show up with the best of intentions and it sort of starts to, you kind of, you don't understand what you did or why this is happening. And for all of the shit that I've dealt with, whether it's being sued or, you know, being harassed or whatever. And I remember my dad one time being like, all because you want to make people laugh. Yeah. Like that's all we're doing. And people are so jealous that you are able to carve out a career in a field that like literally 1% of people are successful at in a field that everybody wants to be a comic and it's impossible to do. And people take it out on you because they're on securities. And once you fully get that, I think it's a lot easier to sort of cut through the bullshit when you realize how upset people are with themselves. 
I've had a couple, uh, a couple of alcoholics have to make amends with me. And the coolest feeling in the world is realizing you don't have to forgive them. <laughs> oh my God. That's so dark. <laughs> Unforgiven. Like I, I get, I get, you know, obviously I, I, I'm, I'm the kind of guy, I'm a honeypot for alcoholics. Cause I like partying right. and for whatever reason I can get my shit done and, and I, and I function, I function at a pretty high level for a guy who likes to party as much as I do. But as much, as much as I party that same pace for most horses, it runs them into the ground and they end up having to track you down and, and make amends as part huh. of the 12 steps. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, and so, uh, I remember the first guy that a pot like had to make amends and he found me at a, at a radio station and it was his oh. thing. I, I didn't even realize, <laughs> I didn't even write I didn't even realize he was doing it, but I was, and I was like, at first I was like, no, 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 no. And my wife was with me. She's like, hit me. She, I think my wife was with me. She was like, Hey, he's, uh, he's doing this. Like he's doing this for a reason, Bert. And he was like, and he's, like started it over. It was really heartfelt. And I thought about, it. I actually thought about it. And I was like, Oh, you were just annoying a couple times. And I wrote it off to just being drunk. And I was like, yeah, I forgive you. And then I had another guy and I was like, and I, I got the apology and I was like, and I dealt with so much from this guy so much. And that's yeah. what I think. I think what I, what I think people are missing in, and, and I think guy, guy fans of comedy, guy fans of comedy side with all men real quick. And they just mm. go like, all men are right. Well, what, what they don't realize is that myself, well, that's insane. I'll, yeah. I'll say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use Rogan as an example because I can, because he's my friend and I know him and you know him, but myself and Rogan also deal with the same fucking lunatics that yeah. come in and are verbally abusive or sexually uh, uneasy around people like yourself or, or any female comic, Taylor Tomlinson, anyone who's there, they're, they're creepy around them, but they're also creepy around us. And they also get right. blackout drunk and they do fucked up things to us. And I, I dealt with one, I've dealt with one for a very long time now. And I, I, at one point I got an apology from him and I was like, I showed it to Skura and Skura goes, he's going through the steps, man. It's clear he's going through the 12 steps. He's like, you don't have to forgive him. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't like mm. him and I don't want him in my life. And I, and I, and by the way, I have three dudes like that three, like, cause you end up partying with a lot of people and a lot of people lives spin out of control. Can't get their shit done. Don't wake up early. Don't work out. Don't have a family, ruin their family, ruin, ruin their family three times, still dealing with substance control issues. And I was like the most freeing feeling to go, Oh, I don't have to forgive this person. Like, I don't, I don't like them. I'm not canceling them. I'm not saying their names, but I don't have to forget this person. And I don't have to have them in my life. Like I'm, a, I'm no. I have a luxury where I don't need them. Is that a comic or is it just a fan? They're all comics. Oh, okay. Sorry. They're, I didn't understand that. Them are comics. I was like, you need to not party with random fans no, this much that they're in your life. Um, Regular I people, mean, Eliza get sober and stay sober. Like in, like I, in, our, in our, in our, in our community at school, you know, some people have some problems with pills, but for the most part, if a guy quits drinking, you don't ever see that guy drinking in our neighborhood when you're parent, like regular people, right. not comics, man. I, you know, I don't have anyone in my family who's an alcoholic. I don't really know any alcoholics. Like it's kind of not my, it's just not something that's part of my world. I'm not good, bad. Like it's just not something that I <laughs> think about or deal with. I also, you know, I do my shit and I go home and yeah, for better or for worse, but it's always been because I was just like, I've done my set. Now, granted, should I have stayed a little longer? Maybe there's like a forever ago, like an executive or a fan who wants to meet you. Like, that's great. But yeah. 
I never, I can count on one hand the amount of times I've been drunk at the comedy store and two of them are a Christmas party. Oh, I, really? I just, um, yeah, I go, I go, oh my God. I tipped a waitress a thousand dollars one time <laughs> on Venmo. <laughs> it is very, very drunk. Um, but that's, you know, that's, that's a safer thing. I just, maybe it's because I always had like a boyfriend or I always had something to do or to get up the next day, but I was just like, I've done my set. I'm not in it for the hang. And it's cool to have the hang and make those colleagues. But again, because of the specific nature of my career, there was nothing like, yeah, I, I was never gonna, I wanted to do my set and leave. Not yeah. because I didn't like, I just, I don't want to get drunk and do the thing. And I, you, you're going to be dealing with insecurity, male and female, by the way. It always breaks my heart because what happens is insecurity is something, of course it's inherent, but it's also passed down this like cool way to act. I am a Texan. Like I meet you. I look you in the eye. I will never throw the first punch. If you don't like me, it's because of something you said. And I reacted accordingly. It, the story will never be like, I met her and she told me to fuck off. It just doesn't work that way. I have like manners and I was raised right. So it would always break my heart. You know, you walk into a green room, you're like, Hey guys. I'm like, people like, don't look up. I'm like, do you think that you're coming across as extra cool because you didn't acknowledge me? Because all that's happening is I'm never going to take you on the road. <laughs> like people don't realize, like we take people on the road who we like being with. And when yeah. I walk into a show and people are like, what's up? And I'm like, that's cool. Like go have fun doing your tight seven, you fucking piece of shit. Like that's cool that you couldn't get it. You're commanding an audience on stage. You clearly know how to be around people. I don't know <laughs> what remnants of like attitude we're, we're uh, inheriting from the last several years at the comedy store, but like be a person. Like yeah. headliners want, to be cool with people. And I want you to not be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid of. That being said, I was really afraid to meet Jerry Seinfeld, but he was cool. <laughs> I was very, I, 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 to this day, I've, I've, I've barely even met him, but he panics me. Like I, and I would, I would say hi to him, but I would, I would make it uncomfortable on accident. I'd be like, hi, Jerry, Burt Kreischer. And he'd be like, oh, always no. say the first, I always say the full name, like Eliza yeah. Schlesinger. I also have Netflix specials. Um, and it's whatever it's, everybody's it's like everybody what it comes down to is everybody wants to be treated like a person so i always try to do that i snapped the other oh my god we were at a show the other day and i was talking to two comics and i hadn't met one of them and the comic i knew goes eliza this is let's say tom eliza this is tom and tom looks away instead of saying hi and in that moment like my and i just went hey you look me in the eye i'm looking you in the eye hi and he was like oh and he walked away and the friend goes, Liza, you're so intense. I'm like, he, that's rude. And he goes, he's got a thing about being in public. And I'm like, he's on the stage right now. Like it's enough. We've all been through enough as a society. You can say hi. Bert you can say, hi. say that. He's like, oh, great. I got to fucking do your alternative show. And you can't look me in the eyes and shake my fucking hand. You just walk Whatever. away. And <laughs> Bill doesn't look me in the eye. <laughs> I walked up to him the other day. He walked away as I was talking to him. I was like, okay, I just want to say great job at the Grammy. So, so maybe I'm throwing stones in a glass house. Who knows? But uh, you can always say hi, folks. Yeah, I'm, I'm overly friendly and I always just say who I am. And, and when you talk about being friendly backstage, I only, I mean, like I, not your standup matters to me. Like I can't just have people saying whatever they want on stage. I, I like, I need good standups yeah. around me. I need good standups because yeah. I want you to watch my set. Definitely. I want you to watch my set. Tell me what I'm doing. That's lazy and, and, and not 
working and and going in the wrong direction. Jesus Trejo is amazing with that. I had a joke about this at the end of the joke. He just pulls me aside and he goes, I don't think you're that guy. And it's coming off wrong. You don't think it is great, but it's coming off wrong. And I was like, I appreciate it, man. But I also need you to be able to go to lunch with me that afternoon and make me giggle. Like we're about, on the road. Right. Oh, you're on the road. Right. I yeah, want we're on the road. Yeah. 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 But, I'm agreeing um, with you. Well, I'm, I I'm think gonna, I'm going to wrap this up because it's been an hour and I know you're busy as shit. I want to, I want to talk to you for just real quick. If we could. Let's about do it. I got your, time. I got time. Okay. Um, I got time. You are a phenomenal, That's, by the way, that, you're a phenomenal actress. Oh, you're thanks. A phenomenal actress. And I'm, and, and I, Spasiba. and I'm, Pajasta. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm I'm curious. Um, I, I'm interested in the guys who have really hit it out of the park acting. And I think we have a very small set of comics that have been offered the opportunity to act and really taken it and run with it. And you're in that small group, as far as I've seen. The right one, I called. You, I actually called you with Leanne when we saw the trailer for the right one, and we were blown away. You, I, I mean, you. St I don't. I. I wouldn't say steal the movie because Nick's in it. Also, I don't want to take away from Nick. But in my opinion, you stole the movie, I and mean, you're absolutely you. phenomenal in it. Um, uh, what was? Did you always have interest in being an actress when you got into comedy? Was that something that you kind of looked at as like a, a beacon? You know, the objective has always been to get to be funny on bigger and better terms, and I always. I have been, nobody knows this, but like, cause people are like, oh, you want to get into acting? I auditioned for community. Like, that's how long I've been auditioning. I auditioned for funny people. I auditioned for the first hangover to play Ed Helms' wife. And I was like 25. So that's insane. But <laughs> if you want to like go back in like a history of like things, I've been doing it. And what's so tough about acting is nobody will ever give you the feedback you want. And I always get these great auditions, like producer sessions. And in the end, I can't help if you don't want to go with a white person or even a woman. I've lost out to guys on stuff like I can't change what I am. And you'll never get feedback of like you need acting lessons or we thought it was to this. It's just like, oh, we love her. So they will. We love you to death. And then a decade goes by and you're like, really? Because I've never acted on TV. Um, and so the first thing like. And then you're up there, you know, and you're like, well, somebody just you look at all the parts that you've lost out on and you're like, why? Like, I I don't get why I didn't get that. It's you pick someone who looks very like you never know why. And the first person to like give me a fucking chance was Spencer Confidential. And I got to believe I went in there Murdered with my it. own idea Murdered for the audition. They said, don't do a Boston accent. I was like, I'm going to do a Boston accent because that's it belongs there. And I've already lost out on so many parts. What's one more? And they gave me a chance. And I, I, to be honest, like people are always like, what makes you choose parts? I'm like, uh, I get them and I take them. <laughs> I, we're not at a place where I'm just like, no, not that. And so a lot of them are offered like the right one. They asked me to do it. And I was like, yeah, like at a certain place, you're like, I think you can trust me with your dialogue. And it's a collaborative process. The directors let me rewrite some lines, lend my own voice pieces of a woman the oscar nominated uh <laughs> they gave it to me and i'm like it was like me and like shia labeouf and vanessa kirby and ellen burstyn and i'm like yeah totally this is totally my class <laughs> but i'm gonna show up and act like i know what i'm doing um and so a lot of it is just i i don't know how i got those gigs but i do enjoy it and i have been trying 
And it's not an industry that ever nobody wants to tell you why you didn't get it, because if they book you again, if they ever book you, they don't want to be on the side that told you you couldn't do it. Um, but yeah, it, but then that being said, talking about 10,000 hours, I've definitely stand up's been the thing that I practice the craft at. I am not a student of acting. But when I'm on set, I love being it's so great because it's collaborative. So you get to be around people who know better than you. Like pieces of a woman, I was like, I'm going to show up with a notebook. I'm going to say nothing and I'm just going to watch. And in stand-up, like you're in charge and you've got to do it all. So I do love the experience of getting to be an actor and be around. Like Mark Wahlberg is so amazing in a scene and just watching him and the way he is and the way he operates and the way that other actors, like he treats other people and Pete Berg and the like you get to learn like, oh, that's right. It's a different kind of crazy, but like, the tone of that set is set by the main actors. So when I had like my own sketch show, I was like, I'm going to come to work every day fucking pumped because you set that tone. And you want to talk about like tone at the comedy store or tone at different clubs. Like if the mo- if the higher ups aren't being cool, nobody's going to be cool. And I, I never want it. I've been on sets that are miserable. I never want somebody to feel bad as I have for coming to work. So fake it. You're uh, in yeah. a bad mood. So, so Pete Berg, I've heard nothing but amazing. Nothing good. No, no. <laughs> By the way, I was a big fan of Pete Berg's acting. Like I remember in him in Aspen Extreme, I love Pete Berg. But He's been around. Yeah, he has. And everyone says that working with him is such a collaborative, like that he really is like a, like a fun director to work with. Well, how yeah. was, I'm, I'm curious about, cause Spencer Confidential was probably like, would you say that's your breakout where everyone was like, I remember that's when I think your special had just aired. And, and that came up and that was like trending number one on Netflix for like four months or something. Spencer? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't break out in that. Like it's the meediest thing someone's given me and I got to do a thing. So break out in that it's my only. Were you, was it, <laughs> like, w- w- did you, were you, were you, was that the biggest project you had taken on where you were like, yes. okay. And so were you nervous going in that first day? Oh my God. Oh my God. Like there's no class to take to prepare you for being on set with like the world one of the biggest movie stars in the world yeah and we did a table read and mark comes in he's got like i don't, I don't even know him that well to be honest uh he you worked with him twice too <laughs> so many times and we did like press days get he but that kind of speaks to what a professional he is like he is not there to fuck around he's got 800 businesses he's got a crew with him and so we're there and i you know I will befriend anyone on set, like anyone who will have me the gaffer craft services. Like I just need someone to like know that I'm still funny. (laughs) And we get to this table and like the production was like they had lobster rolls at the meeting. Like they had like real money and we go in for the table read and he doesn't this is like, he didn't say anything to me and he's sitting next to me and I'm like, (laughs) sit next to me and we do the whole read, but there's no like, look, whatever. He's just there. Cause in this guy's mind, he's like, this is like the fifth script I have to remember for this week. I'm busy. And I remember there was, um, not a typo, but there was a word in the script and the word is slancha, which is like Gaelic for cheers, which I'm I'm sure, you know, and nobody was saying it right. And Mark said, everyone's saying like slant because no one, knows, it's not an American word. And I, well, like I like, I was like, you're a fucking stand-up comedian. You can do this. And I went up to like Pete and I was like, it's pronounced slancha. It's not slant. And he was like, how do you know that? And I was like, the Bennigan's commercials from the nineties, their slogan was slancha. And I remembered it. 
And it took, I remember I saw a cut of it and I said to the editor, I was like, it's Lancia. Like, it, so they eventually changed it. But like, I felt like I was like, I fixed it. Um, but, you know, there is that thing you're like, you don't want to say too much. Pete Berg, and I say this in every interview, did not have to be as egalitarian as he was to me. He let me rewrite lines. He let me question stuff. He let me bring levels to Sissy because I was like, it was a, it's a very dude heavy movie and it's super fun. But I was like, does the world need another maniac woman who's only one dimensional? Like, can we, and he, he let me, this like you hired me for a reason and he let me be all the things that I would like to be hired for. And he let me write stuff and he let me be collaborative. And I, I'm so grateful for that because it was, he didn't have to, it could have been like, just say your fucking line and like go home. And we became friends and like he's come to shows and we're like, it's just when somebody treats you that way. And I remember, I'll never forget this. I've not had, I've not been an actress. So I haven't been put through the ringer like a lot of women have because I just haven't gotten to work that much. But um, there, the scene, the sex scene, um, we have sex and, you know, it's in a bathroom and I'm wearing a dress and so I had on like two pairs of underwear. I had on like my regular underwear. And then I had like the set underwear that we might see. Oh, okay. I don't know. Okay. They gave it to me. And I saw Pete and I was like, hey, do you want to see? Because I thought we might see it. I was like, do you want to see my underwear? And he goes, nope, <laughs> nope, I don't. I And please keep that door open. Like I really respected that he was on alert for his own yes, hide, but yes, also like yes. being like, this will not be misconstrued. I do not want to see your underwear. Keep that door and open. I as... Oh my God. I've like shared a room with another male comic. I'm like, Oh, it's like, cause in my mind, like that would never have. So I respected that. I respected what a professional Mark was. And it was really cool to see like in the scene, even though we're not talking before, like he is there for you and he is a great improviser and he doesn't break. And he, it, it never got more comfortable for me because he's so good and he's still Mark Wahlberg. But like, I think the last day of our press, I was like, can I have a hug goodbye? He's like, yeah, sure. Like, but there's no, like, I appreciate a guy being like, I'm not fucking up. I'm here to work. Like, and just being professional. It was cool. It's the opposite of stand-up comedy. (laughs) Yeah. Does he, uh, what's he smell like? Does he wear cologne? Success. Success. He smells like (laughs) personalized bottled water. Uh, I don't remember if he wore cologne um, because I was was just so nervous. I always wonder if like Brad Pitt wears cologne. Because he doesn't look like a guy who wears cologne. And I think if I found out he wore cologne, I'd be like, oh, wait, what's that? I can tell you I never thought he smelled bad. And I have been around major actors who come to set reeking. Really? So I didn't. And I have a very sensitive nose. And if I didn't clock it, that means you smelled fine. Um, But like we finish a scene. He's gone. He's in an SUV. He's on a call. He's with his family. He's taking a meeting. He's getting a massage. Like you are not. Like there was no hang time for me, at least <laughs> maybe yeah. in, maybe in the second one. <laughs> but um, I was like even so nervous to like ask him to be on my Instagram, kind of like oh, talking to another yeah. comic. And he was like, yeah. yeah, sure. It's like, yeah, we had sex on camera. I think I'm allowed to ask you to like be on my Instagram. Um, so wait, did you have to kiss him and everything? There was no kissing. Just sex. Just raw pound. It just, <laughs> I mean, and it's not even a very, like I made it funny, but like it's sex in a bathroom, so it can't be like that sensual. Yeah. Um, but it's really more of like an action movie, and there's yeah. no there's no kisses, um, no kisses. Uh, so, but it was it was cool. It was and like even when I did Instant Family, which also he was in weirdly, um, 
that set was really great. The Tom Segura is in that movie. Like it was yeah. a very, that's what you want is just work with like professional people who let you be funny and let you do your thing. And everybody wants to go, but everybody also wants to go home. So you like get it done. That is my hope for you on your set of your movie. <laughs> this podcast is supported by Upstart. When it comes to paying off debt, it can often feel like an uphill battle. I married my wife and she was in debt and I had never experienced that uphill battle. And all of a sudden I'm looking at a mountain going, what the fuck? I thought I loved you. <laughs> High interest rates resulting in minimum monthly payments keeps you in an endless cycle of debt. Upstart can help you get ahead. Upstart is the fastest and easiest way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online, whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over a half a million people have used Upstart to get simple, fixed monthly payments. Unlike other lenders, Upstart looks at more than just your credit score, like your income and employment history. That means they can offer smarter rates with trusted partners. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate upfront for loans between $1,000 and $50,000. Holy crap. You can receive funds as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash BERT. That's upstart.com slash BERT. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. That's very important. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Remember, that's upstart.com slash BERT. It's funny. You talk about like... uh, I'm always looking for a friend on any set I'm on. And when I do, like when I did the TBS game show, Go Big Show, I uh, I crave I crave connections with people. Like, in, and, it, and it's like the silliest thing. It's like I follow so many people I worked with on Instagram that I know, like, I, and, and yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I know about their lives. I'm like, oh, I didn't know she had a son. Like, you oh. need that connection because, first of all, you need, my thing is always like, is the crew laughing? Like, are they shaking? Because as a comic, you need that. And when you don't get that, your thought is like, am I stinking this up? Like, did I do a bad job? And they're like, no, we just can't. Like, the biggest compliment is the executive going to be like, we couldn't laugh because we didn't want to ruin it. But that, like, you want to know that they're laughing and you don't get that feedback, even in acting. Like, pieces of a woman, you're just like, I mean, that was was all sad and all serious. But, like, stand-up, it's such instant feedback. And even social media is so instant. So we're so used to being like, you're great, so funny. And you do a take. And they're like, okay, moving on. You're like, are you moving on because I'm so bad and you're going to cut me out? Or yeah, like, can someone tell me good job? And so moving on sounds very dismissive when they're like, all right, moving on. You're like, um, oh my God, which by the way, they wouldn't move on unless they got it. Yeah. But I need you to say moving on. Eliza was so great. We don't (laughs) need to do it anymore. Like I need you to elaborate. I acted so bad. I acted in something and I told them, I said, just so you know, I need the approval. So like, uh, so just, just give it to me for like the first few times be like, man, you're killing it. And then I'm Let good. Me know. Then, and then I'm good. And, and yeah, I, that's why I liked hosting things so much. Cause you can make people laugh and when you make them laugh, yes. but then I was I, like, I would just be running bits that I was like, cause I hadn't been on, I mean, I've been on stage doing those stand up outdoor shows, but then I'd be on stage just running bits by just trying to make Snoop laugh, just trying to make Rosario laugh, like writing we jokes. We need it. Yeah. We need it. And it's so great to be around like serious actors and you can like try to make them like you. It feels so good. It's really is part of our souls. Like if I don't, if I didn't make my teachers laugh. If I don't make this lady at the bank laugh, like you need these like little hits of like people like you need it. 
it's selfish, but it's also very giving. And it's just the way we're wired. I don't need to be on all the time. I don't walk into the room like, look who's here. It's party group. But I, I do, you know, that if people aren't laughing, then like, what are we doing? Yeah. Did your podcast, you know? you took, did you take a break from um, Ask Eliza? Ask Eliza anything we have. My, I had a podcast called, what's it called? Truth and Eliza. I mean, who are you talking to? My assistant. She's oh. <laughs> I was if like, wait, have you been dark. in your bedroom the whole time? Your husband's just laying in bed? Oh my God. This is the office and like the lights are so weird. So we turn them off because then they're annoying to look at. Uh, I had a podcast for years and then we moved networks and now it's a new podcast called Ask Eliza Anything, which is great because people just send in questions. So it yeah. kind of, it's not a difficult thing to produce. And we really have to have you on at some time. I think they'd have a lot of questions for you. I would love to. Yeah. I, I, uh, it's funny. I'm, I've, I'm juggling so many different podcasts right now that I'm like, that I, 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 you'll come up with something to say on a podcast and you're like, Oh, that's good for this podcast or that's good. For oh, this interesting. Podcast. And then today I was like, I just started refocusing on Burtcast Cause there was a period where with these zooms, I, I, it was really good when the pandemic started because we had so much to yeah. talk about. And then there was this like dead period where I was like, just make sure to log them. And now I'm at the end of the Zooms where we're like, we're starting to do in-person ones again. And I'm like, and I, I'm only doing Zooms with people I really, really want to talk to. Yeah. Oh God. It's also brutal because to be honest, most people, almost everyone has a podcast and most people shouldn't. Like you are, this is going to sound like the weirdest come like you are a fantastic listener. And a lot of times, like this is, and it's actually, your eyes are so light and I have a ring light. And so I, and also it's really hot in here. So I'm kind of like having a fever dream. So sometimes I'm like <laughs> rambling. I'm like, he's really listening because a lot of comics have podcasts and like, they just want to do their joke and their bit. And you're like, well, you're interviewing this person for a reason. Yeah. And so there is an art to it that I think everybody thinks that they're good at. I don't do a lot of podcasts because I don't want to tell one more person like how I got into stand up. Like we've covered it. <laughs> oh, I yeah, I'm done with I'm I actually am done with doing podcasts of people that I don't know really well. Yeah. Like uh there's only one that I would do. There's one that but I don't want to here's the thing. I don't want to go and I definitely don't want to retell the machine story and so many people would love to like would you know, you go on and they're like, "Hey man, so I, tell me about this Russian mafia thing." And you're like you're like, you're like oh, log oh. on to a special. You're like, "Yeah, it's that or minutes. like how did you get into it? Or were you always funny? Like these basic questions. I'm like, do you really think no one's ever asked that? They're like, well, for our audience. And I'm like, it, it, it's it not, it's not diminutive, but it is like, I've been doing this for over 15 years. Like, let's move on. So I try to do podcasts with like a friend or someone where it's like a specific set of questions, like a specific angle versus just like a get to know ya. Where I'm like, I know you don't know who I am. I know your producer found this and you're going to ask me like, you're from Texas. What's that like? And you're like, I hate you. What was it like when you saw everyone moving, be moving to Texas when you're like, oh, so now everyone's going to Texas. Can I tell you something? I was in Austin during the, I did a, I think you did this too, the drive-in tour. Yeah. Didn't you do it? Yep. So I was in Austin doing one and I went to go visit Rogan at his house, which is so beautiful. And I drove out there. And uh, he starts like telling me, he's like, yeah. And so, like, he starts telling like, all the comics that are moving. And I start to get like, not FOMO, but like he'd also given me a coffee from this machine in his house. And I drove to Houston that day. I could see through time. Like, I was like, what is in this coffee? But I started, I call my husband. I'm like, I think we got to move. <laughs> the truth is this. The truth is this. And nobody wants this, but I'm going to say it. Okay. 
Joe Rogan has built an empire. Yeah. Joe Rogan does not want to act in movies. I know because I asked him to act in mine. I, you know, he's got like his thing and he's set and he's got a family. So that makes sense. Also, the taxes in Texas are way different. People moving with kids is a lot different than there's like two. There's people that it's like, look, being an actor is really hard and it's not really working. I'm going to move somewhere where I can make a living. And then there are people that are like, I'm super established. I know what the pattern of my life is. Like, I know I'm going to tour and I'm going to do this. I've got a family. Let's do that. I still believe that there's a fight here in California. Like I still I do believe. Too. I yeah. Do and too. so it's really easy to look at people that have a lot more of their life set in place. Um, and there's a lot of other comics that moved. They moved to Nashville. I firmly believe you have the people that are mega established and then people who are like still figuring it out. And I am definitely in the middle. And I don't think I remember this one comic moved away years ago. And they were like, yeah, I'm just going to have my podcast, but I'll still do auditions and I'll still do movies. And I was like, no, the sacrifice you make is the normalcy of getting to live around your family and getting to have be around normal people. That's what we sacrifice by living here in this rat race, in this American Ninja Warrior course of natural disasters. You don't get to have it both ways unless you've already done the thing. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah, no, so, 100%. Someone like me, like, yeah, Zoom has changed it. The pandemic's changed it, but like, it, it, it does benefit you to be here and run into that producer, that actor, that director at your club, your restaurant, at that audition, taking that general in person, being able to film that week, not having to catch a plane. So while you're still in it, while you're still figuring out what projects you're going to do, like I've got a couple movies coming out and I think it's better to be here for those oh, things yeah. or pitching a show, whatever. So there's a reason Hollywood's always been Hollywood and it will not cease being Hollywood simply because of our mishandling of a global pandemic. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, I, I told Tom, cause you know, Tom and I are pretty close and, and I, he was moving and we have a podcast and yeah. he was like, you know, and he, he soft sold Texas to me and I, Joe soft sold it, but you know, Joe's like, yeah. you, know, you should move. It's great. And I just, I just thought, you know, I've got so much stuff going on. Now's not the time when I move. Like I got, so, I got your time. so much stuff where I go, if I move at my age, then I, I have retired. Like, that's what I've done is I've said, I've said, oh, I'm done with Hollywood. I, I still, by the way, I'm, there's so much I still want to do. I, I, this sounds so silly that no one's going to, everyone listening to this is going to be like, why would you do that? I still really want to do a multi-cam. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I want to make a lot of money too, for yeah. sure. <laughs> There's still that. I mean, I will say as someone that has sold a multicam every year but never made it to air, it is that dangling golden carrot. But there is a value to being here. And yeah, we are drowning in taxes and the odds of you dying from like a tree avalanche are like 100%. But, you know, every different strokes for different folks, whatever. And it's so easy to look at other countries and other states and be like, oh, wow all that glitters, but every, you know, you go to Texas, like I grew up in Texas and I love being a Texan, but I also was told I was going to hell for being Jewish at a very young age. So (laughs) these trade, like it's still Texas. Um, And so, you know, like you could say, I want to move to Denmark because the people are happy there. It's like, Hey, it's dark almost 100% of the year. Like you can always find. So I think the pandemic has really been about taking stock of your own personal goals and what you really want and not measuring it against other people and their definition of success or happiness. It's so hard not to measure yourself against other people. And I've spent such a hard, such a long time in this business, not doing it. Like being going like being very cognizant 
And on, I don't even know if it's purposefully or if it's just how you're raised or if it's whether you were competitive in sports and you realize that, you know, like I, I just never saw the arts as something competition played in. Like mm-hmm. I, I stay away from a lot of sports because I do get very, very, very competitive. And like, because I'm it, so good. I don't want to make it, anyone feel, I'm it so. It makes me fucking crazy. Like God, when we did so Sober funny. October, I used to lose my fucking mind, like lose my mind. Cause I get uber competitive. And I remember Tom going, Bert, you're just a comedian. Like you're never going to keep up with Joe. And I was like, I can, I can. And he was like, no, 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 no. He's, that's not going to happen. Like, but I get really competitive, but it doesn't happen in art for whatever reason. It just doesn't. And, 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 you know, it's interesting as I, once, once, I, once everyone started moving, like everyone, Nashville and, and Texas, I kind of then thought, oh, cool. I can go to Texas now for a week and work and hang out with Tom and do two bears, one cave, do a few episodes of that. Maybe do Rogan's podcast, mm-hmm. do shows in Rogan's new, in Rogan's new theater. Like Tim Dillon's down there. Like, oh, I, just like the, when you go to New York and you're like, oh, I'm going to hit up everyone and go, I'm going to be here for a week. I'm going to stay for a week now and, and do everyone's shows. You got, you got you, your buddies. I think it's very competitive. I think, I don't know if I agree with that. I think. Well, um, no, no, no. I, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why okay. we see differently is that I have, and I think it's because in the female space, Hollywood is only allowed one or two females to be famous at a time. In comedy. Oh, I don't, I don't disagree with that. But I also like, when I think of people who sell similar venues to me, it's not only women. I am a true feminist and that I really look at everyone. Yeah. Like, are you on the same shows as me? Are you coming to that theater the weekend after me? I want to know what you sold. And I get lumped oh, in because I'm a girl, but I'm like, there's really, a, there's a handful of women that actually tour. And this isn't saying good or bad. I'm just saying there's a, if you look at the numbers, there are a handful of women that tour as heavily as a lot, as I do, as, the guys that I would consider at a similar level. It's, it's yeah. not about like someone's good or someone's bad. There are people who are up and coming. There are people that are getting there. And then you've got like Amy Schumer played Madison Square Garden. That's not what I'm playing. So there's different echelons of it. Yeah. But like I'm selling out, you know, what before the pandemic, we were on par to do like 5,000, 7,000 seat theaters. You know, I'm not doing a weekend at the chuckle bucket. No. So these things are not equal. And I do. I look at my numbers and sometimes they'll lump me in with someone and they'll be like, well, so-and-so came through. I'm like, that person doesn't sell tickets. You can call that person whatever you want. I know what they sold. I know what they did on stage. I know how much time they did because people find a way of telling you, but like people like to be lazy about it. But I, uh, the competition, if I go on stage, it's not about crushing the girl before me. It's about burying every single person. And these people might be my friends. Like you want to do it on stage, leave it on there. It's not a it's not a, a female thing, and I think people like to do that because they can't imagine that a woman would ever compare herself to a male. Oh no, I, I I I see. I would I argue the opposite, and I would say you know because I'm a, a white dude and I watch dudes my age. I was talking to Burr about this the other day. I watch dudes my age just really blow up and become Dane Cook and Bill Burr and Tom Segura and and just watch. And there's so many of white dudes that are just pop when you aren't popping. I had to mm. compartmentalize it and go, it's not competitive. These are my friends. I do need their advice. I do need their insight yeah. on how they're doing this. And I, and I, th- and I, my, to so my previous statement, I would say that, you know, 
Whereas there is a guy, a boys club that people recognize, you don't see the same girls club. I won't use you as an example, but I, I know for a fact that I remember, I remember two of the biggest female comics at the time uh, in the world, two, the two big ones. You know, I don't have to say their names, but you can guess who the two were. One a little bit older with darker hair and one a little bit younger with blonde hair. And they didn't speak to each other at all. And I don't know who the older one is, but I don't I, I don't know. It's, but I, but I'll, here's the thing. And I will defend them in that. Everybody has their fiefdom. Everybody has it. And it's cool. Like, I'm friends with, these may not be the most famous women in the world, but like, I really, like Eleanor Kerrigan or Jody yep, Miller. And yep. um, I'm trying to think of like other women who would have been like, I really like Nikki Glaser. Like, these are not, and there are other women that do, like, I really respect Ali Wong. Like, she and I, she also has a family, like, or like a Sarah Tiana. Like, these are not people that you work with or necessarily hang out with, but like, I'll give Sarah a hug when I see her. Like, yeah. we're fucking busy doing more than a lot of the guys are. And I think it's more demonstrative, but like plenty of women have like their podcasts with their friends and they have their pods. And I think it's so unfair that, you know, it's held up like, well, these guys are this boys club, but women have their friends that are comics that they work with, that they write with. And everyone's just got their own little group. Um, and I, so when I say competition, it's more like numbers based, but it's never, I don't feel like, I don't look at like Whitney or Amy or Nikki or any of the other women who end in E. Like, I don't look at them like, <laughs> fuck them. I, yeah. I look at, I look at when Dalia would come through or you or Segura or whoever. And we're on this or at the same theater that same month. And I'm like, what were those ticket sales? Yeah. Oh, no, no, it's no. Not I, I, I definitely do that. I definitely do that. Chicago theater. I go, I remember, uh, I remember doing Chicago theater and I was like, wow, two shows sold out. That's okay. All right. That's nice. And then I was just like sitting backstage. I was like, who you guys got coming up? You know, just talking shit. And they're like, oh, Dalia's coming through. And I was like, nice. Yeah. What are those? I go, how many shows? And he was like, oh, fucking six. And I went, Right. Okay. I feel that way when I look at Joe Coy's numbers. I'm like, I'm Joe Coy's numbers. Joe Coy's numbers. It's a whole other thing. Yeah, I go. And, but like, by the way, like, and I love like, there's, there's like this thing where you, people always like keep your blinders on, stay in your lane. It's like for sure you can see who else is in another lane. If anything, just to motivate you. But oh, I don't. Fuck yeah. There's never people. Also, the thing that kills me about women and this obsession, and I, I've said this in my special. So if you want to cancel me, you're gonna have to go back a couple of years. This obsession <laughs> with like all women must love each other. And I'm like, show me where I'm tearing. I've ever like torn a specific other female comedian down. I think I've said more shit about male comics. So this, this urge to be like, why aren't you all best friends? It's like, who is that? Like, why does it have to be? I have to blindly love this girl, but I like, why does it have to be that? I respect people that work hard and get their shit done and have a point of view. And I don't care if you're a guy or a girl. By the Mature way, I, feminist. Just, I just want to be on a chat thread with you and Joe Coy and Segura. So when we go all go to these theaters, we can text each other and go, hey, just out of curiosity, what kind of numbers did Burr do last time he was here? <laughs> I know. I don't want to come in last. So I don't want to be on that chat because I, I think you guys all definitely saw more. No, Joe, um, Coy, Joe Coy is, Joe Coy is, uh, I remember it's, it's funny. You Sometimes you get in conversations with people that you think maybe you're at your level and then they'll say something and I go, oh, I'm definitely not at your level. I remember Joe oh. Coy saying, where are you doing your next special? I said, Cleveland. And he goes, okay. He said, are you doing an arena? And I went, 
uh, no. What? And he was like, you should do your next special in an arena. And I was like, in my head, I didn't say anything to him. He doesn't know this till he's hearing this right now. I was like, Joe, I am like maybe never going to sell an arena, let alone definitely not doing it now. Like, I mean, like, you should take a helicopter, a Bentley <laughs> helicopter to your arena. Yeah. Tour. I talked to Burr one time and he goes, this is like probably 15 years ago. Burr's like, Dad, you know what you need? You need a tour bus. And I was like, really? He was like, yeah, just here's the deal. One show, ride it off to a tour bus. And I was like, and this, I'm doing the DC improv that weekend. And I go, <laughs> I go, so it, they're that cheap. Totally. He's like, he like, I mean, it's a little bit, but nah, don't worry about it. And I was like, nice. And then I hit up my manager. I was like, so I think I'm about doing a tour bus. And they're like, they're very expensive. I was like, Burr said they're it's one expensive. show. Yeah. And he's like, oh, Burr's doing like 3,500 seat theaters. And I went, oh. I, I mean, it's still, I, it's also like they need to be somewhat near each other. Otherwise, you're just on a bus forever. By and way, I will say, yeah. you know, when I was, I didn't have, any women like reach out to me when I became a comic to be like, Hey, welcome. And I try to do that for younger women. If I like, I'm like, Hey, if you, you know, need any like quietly. Um, and I didn't have that. So you're kind of just making it up as you go. And all of my friends, and this isn't like, they just, they didn't win a giant contest. So they weren't at that same level. I so keep forgetting really that. I keep forgetting about that. Oh, we, and we, because I, definitely, I met you, I met you before that. Yeah. At the I'm, store where I was like nope, putting nope, in the nope. I met you at I met you at the D at the Dallas at Addison Improv. Was I? Yep. I, well, I was, that's where you were with your whole family. Oh, you when in, I was doing it. Yeah, no, no, you, no. I was doing it and you came in uh, to do a guest set and you reached out and you're like, hey, can I, is it cool if I do a guest set? And I was like, yeah, of course. And uh, we had never met. Oh and my God. yeah, you came in, your whole family was there. You were in town. I believe uh, that my whole family was there. Yeah. And you murdered. And I was like, oh, really cool, man. And I came up and I was like, you're fucking hilarious. And you're like, oh, thanks. And you hadn't done Last Comic Standing yet. How would I have gotten a guest set if I hadn't done Last Comic? Who would, uh, why would you? You were dating How? a good friend of mine. Brett Ernst. Yeah. We can say names. Let me say this. I'm going to say this publicly because I don't think I'll ever get a chance to say it to him privately. I, because oh, Brett was friends with you. Got it, got Brett it. Brett hit it. me up and he's like, hey, my girlfriend's in town. That's what it was. Set? And I was like, yeah, of course. Let me say this, because I've never had a chance to say this. And and I sometimes I'm like, should I text this to him? But I'm going to say it now. Maybe he'll hear it via this because uh, I started comedy when I moved to LA. So I was like 22. And I think I, and I, you know, I was, I had a day job and I was doing, like doing sets at night. And I was recently, yeah. So just doing that hustle. And I met, Brett and we we dated for like a year or something, and I was dating him when I got Last Comic Standing, which I never talk about. Like I don't, I'm not like Al Bundy, like four touchdowns in a single game. Like who cares? But <laughs> he was, you know, people. That's another example of somebody who is very intelligent, very and very nice, but also very tough. So he, I take a page from that. It's like I'll be super cool to you, but like don't underestimate me and don't be. Don't mistake. He always was like, don't mistake my kindness for weakness. I'm like, we're not in the mob. Like, it's fine. Like, nobody's mistake. You're fine. <laughs> but I would see the way people copied him. Comics who shall go unnamed that would like kind of bite his vibe. Um, and he was super original in his thinking. And and I would see his other comics do that. And then the shit that they would talk out of jealousy because he's a good looking guy. Really good looking. He always treated me. He never treated me like oh, you're younger, you're a comic, you don't get it. Like we would help each other. He was always so 
fair is a weird word for someone you're dating, but like always respected me. Even when I got last comic standing, I remember looking up and seeing him in the balcony. He like brought a friend. I remember looking up and seeing him cheering. Um, and he was so supportive in a way. I always believe comedy relationships, like it's either all in or all out. You cannot date like a beta who's secretly jealous. It never shook his confidence because he's a great comedian. And I learned so much from him. Um, and I was always so, th- and so I got passed at the store on my own. Like, I think it's clear that like, I kind of might know what I'm doing, but he, I was dating him when I kind of like started hanging around the store. And I think that that probably ended up sparing me a lot of the garbage that women have to go through because people were physically terrified of my boyfriend, Yeah, but we didn't. And, and so, you know, you don't want to say that like, well, if you don't have a man, whatever, but that was a lucky thing. And he was so kind. And I've never gotten a chance to say to him, like people, I could actually get emotional thinking about this. People like you do these interviews and people are like, who's your biggest influence? And I've never, Brett, you're not that famous. So I never say your name. No, but I've never gotten to say like, he was such a big part of that in the way that I learned to treat people on the road or the way that I wanted to have my relationships with people or the like just presence. And just, I learned so fucking much from him. And of course we broke up and he, and he's married and he doesn't even think he lives in the state. And, and I just never, every time I saw him subsequently, it was always, it was always like a nice reunion. Like we may have had like our ups and downs or whatever, but he never didn't treat me like a total equal. He never didn't treat me like I mattered always respected me has always been like, I got your back. You get hemmed up. I got you. I'm like, I'm not going to get hemmed, hemmed up. up. Like I'm I fine. Oh. He's, it was just a real, and maybe it was before I was ready, but like a real lesson in how to be as a comic. And I've never gotten to tell him that. And he, uh, he met, he's met the most to me. And that's, um, it's, you know, you don't, it's like, you want to say that, like, I of course love my husband and, there's all those things, but like, and there's no like feelings there, but like comic to comic. Like, I'm so glad I had that time with him. Yeah. And, uh, I, 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 if anybody ever said anything about him to this day, like I would go to the mat for him just because he like does it the right way. He does. And he's, and he's doing fantastic. His, he's got Cobra Kai, which is always number one. That's right. And he's selling tickets like crazy. And I texted him. I was on the road. I was, I was, uh, in the bus by myself drunk one night and, you know, he texts me, you know, how he's like, yo, I got a special. It's on YouTube. Check it out or whatever. Actually, no, I'm sorry. He didn't even text me. I stumbled on his special and he is such a phenomenal comic. He really is a a masterful storyteller. And I texted him drunk as shit. I think I called him. And I was like, dude, this special is phenomenal. Like, this is, you should really be proud. And, you know, when yeah. you get those from from us, when we do it to each other without going like, hey, my new special's out. And people yeah, tell yeah. you, he was like, I was like, oh, man, it means a lot. He's uh, He was very, him, um, Steve Byrne, that whole group of guys yes. were very meaningful to me at a certain, at that same time, I think, were very meaningful yeah, we to were- me. Yeah. It was all, you know, so you're talking, at least for me, like, this is like 2000. Seven, 2006, 2007, like that chunk. Who was at the store was, um, and Chris Lee and I like started, I know like no one's allowed to say that name, but these are the facts, like started around this. He opened for me in La Jolla. Gerard Carmichael also opened for yeah. me. And like, that's super humbling. Um, Brett, his class was like Renazizi and Sebastian and yep. Burnt and 
And then, and, and to me, Tom Segura came a little bit later or he, he was did. around like, and so it's these weird things where it's like this weird, ever shifting family that you kind of always thought was there. And there are these upperclassmen, like even Bill Burr, like hit his stride more in recent year, but all of a sudden was just doing these massive things. And so it's these upperclassmen that like now I'm part of, and maybe I don't hang out with these men, but I consider it an honor to have come up in these last 10, 15 years with this class of comet that has shifted the way that we see comedy and everything. And um, I, I don't, this idea that you have to be, have this allegiance to a group or other women. It's like, you are a headliner out on the road alone. And by the grace of God, you have contemporaries, but for the most part, you are eating you are chicken so fingers alone. in a green room <laughs> in the middle of like Midlothian, Kansas. Like you don't like it's a, it's a miracle. Any of us have significant others. <laughs> we did. I got it only, only because it's so poignant. The first time I, the first theater I ever sold out was, uh, I'm dying. I'm so hot. <laughs> the first theater I ever sold out was the Wilbur. I think it's everyone's first theater. They sell out. And I did, uh, I was doing two shows. This is, uh, this is a few years back and I'm there. I'm, I'm there by myself. And I, I don't know. I, I didn't bring anyone with me. I, I, I don't know. I, someone was opening for me. Someone came up from New York to open for me. And, uh, yeah. and I, but I sold two th shows at the Wilbur out and I'm backstage where those heaters are trying to stay warm. Yeah. And I, and I, have, I have a moment, I have a moment where I realize it, it's, it's just you, buddy. It's always been just you. It was just you in college. It's just you tonight. It's just you when we started, it'll be just you when you die but it's just you. And I was like, and I was like, you got yourself here and you need to be proud. And I was, I was immensely proud. And I got on stage, did two shows. I felt very happy. So the next time through, I do four shows, I guess. I'm guessing, I don't know, mm -hmm. maybe more, but four shows. And the first night I'm there and I go back to that same spot to have that moment. But now it's four shows. So you're making more money. My wife yeah. flew out. My wife's there, but I'm back in that area and I'm by those heaters, those, and I'm warming my back up and I'm thinking, man, we had a good year. We had a good year thinking to myself and my wife comes up and goes, I mean, I can't believe, I can't believe you sold this out. And I wanted to be like, Hey, can I'm having a um, moment with myself yeah. right now. Like I'm, you had nothing to do with this. Yeah. <laughs> I got my, I'm heating here. my back. I got myself here. It is, um, <laughs> but it, but it's it is it's it's funny you know when you say like there is no boys club there is no girls club there is no us there is ultimately it's you you do it's this you. all yourself and by the way like what kills me is like I have I go into I have women in different states who know that when I come to play that theater they can hit me up and I'll give them a guest set and yeah. by the way they hit me up because one time they hit me up and I said, yes. And the onus is on them to reach out. And I always reward that. I'm not going to be like, Who's, who can I get? Like, let me know. Yeah. I will give out those guest sets. No, nope, don't. I mean, I can't I can only give out so many. <laughs> but this idea that anything is owed to you in this job, and that's a pill that I've had to swallow time and time again. You're like, I put in the work. I did all those pilots. I did this. How come so-and-so got that? Mm -hmm. Everybody is putting in that work. There are a lot of people who don't. There are people that just happen to get something and that usually fizzles out. Nobody is going to be a mega successful stand-up comic without having put in those 10,000 hours yeah. um, and sustain it. You just can't because there's a craft to it. But, you know, I'll do shows and I, and it'll be like me and like six dudes. 
as it has been. And by the way, there are plenty of women that do comedy. There are less women that do comedy than men, but and there'll be like six dudes and the comments will be like, why is she the only girl in the lineup? And I'm like, it actually takes away from my accomplishment that you think we should just throw like. You're taking away the fact that I put in the work to be on this lineup with three other heavy hitting male comics. This isn't saying there aren't women who are fucking brilliant or great. What it is saying is of the 12 that you would want to put there for ticket sales, some of them could have been out of town or they don't know the booker or they haven't been doing shows with this guys for a decade, you know? So when you when you use a woman as a token to be like, how come there aren't more? You're taking away the fact that she put in all that work. And there are plenty of shows where there are tons of other women. So I always am kind of like, I, I, I really try to be as fair as possible, but I'm like, don't fucking try to take away from me the hours, the loneliness, the heartbreak, the amount of things that I've had to miss in loved ones' lives, the holidays, the flight delays, the health, the, all the stuff that I've put on the line to go entertain people and build this career when everybody else was like betting on someone else. When everybody else like thought, oh, this girl from our acting troupe will be it. Like, like, and when people didn't come to your shows and when you're in the car alone on a work night or when you're traveling and you're getting snowed in and you're, you know, you're in the shittiest club or a theater that doesn't have fucking heaters, you know, all this stuff, all of the sacrifices <laughs> is not overnight. And the fact yeah. that you would try to take it away or decide that someone's owed it just because, they showed up. You make your own destiny. And I definitely haven't stopped. And I've definitely had plenty of reasons to stop and plenty of opportunities that I didn't get. But you do it because you love the work. And people should just know that we are out there putting in the time, sacrificing the collagen in our faces in ways <laughs> that you will never understand. <laughs> That's so funny as you shit. as you walk through that that shit storm of events. I saw your eyes. You were like, I'm sitting there going like, I'm like, oh yeah. my god! Like the times that you're sitting on a plane, snowed in, knowing you're gonna miss a a, a recital, knowing you're gonna like. I mean, there's so many things that I sacrificed, but and I I got to be honest with you, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like couldn't. I I, I couldn't. Just, it's selfish. It's a self yeah. like this is when people talk about comedy and I hope people are still because the podcast is very long, but I'm really loving it. When people talk about, you know, it's always like, and I'm sharing my story in hopes that other people no, it's in hopes that people laugh and buy my tickets. That is the end game here. And I do want people to feel good and feel a reflection and feel seen and all these things, but these are all byproducts of the initial uh, conceit that like, I want you to give me your money so I can make you laugh so that I can feel good about the thing that I've chosen. Yeah, that is it. It's not about like sharing your story. It's ultimately <laughs> like it becomes that. But at its core, this is about me validating that I'm funny. That is. And anybody who disagrees with that is lying. <laughs> They're lying. They're lying. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> I just want people to feel good. This isn't a TED talk. This isn't a, like you want to weave in some things about being a survivor. That's great. But if people ain't laughing, it's just a speech. <laughs> That's where you need those tickets uh, oh. to keep telling your story. Eliza, you're the best. You really are the best. I absolutely, Thank you. I, I, I do cherish my friendship with you because I, I, I just being able to talk to you like this, you, you're, you're so honest and, and, you're very real and I love it. I absolutely thank love you. it. So thank you for I doing you. this. Um, 
when we stop recording, let's say all the names that we couldn't say on the podcast. All right. It was great doing this podcast with you. Thank you so great much. Great doing this podcast. Thanks, Bert. <laughs> all right. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.